1634. Thank you, Nick. Gospel of Luke. Those of you who were here last week will remember um, the vividly the scene of Jesus bursting into the temple and um, cleansing it with great anger. This is my Father's house, he said. It, it, as it is written, it shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And the text then said, every day he was after that. Every day he was teaching at the temple. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him, yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. And we were exhorted last week to be those who hang on Jesus' words. This is what comes next. One day, one of those days, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he'll ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they're persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The word of God. Uh, Fourteen years ago, my grandfather died. Um, My opa died last summer, but 14 years ago, my grandfather died. And um, some of you may have heard me share before that it was a week, one week from the day that we found out that anything at all was wrong with grandpa till the day that he died. And um, after he died, died on Christmas Day 2002, and after he died, the, a little bit more of the story came out, the kind of the background story of how we got to the point where it was just one week um, from the day he went to the doctors to the day he died. And what, what had transpired was uh, Grandpa had not been feeling well. He'd been sick. There had been signs for quite some time, um, signs that that maybe he was seeing, but that others around him were definitely seeing and that regularly and repeatedly he was encouraged himself to see these signs and he was told you really ought to go into the doctors but he didn't want to go into the doctors he just kept evading the doctor's office i can see a few of you going i yeah that's me right he he evaded the doctor's office until finally that one wednesday somebody it was grandma said to him hank you go to the doctors today Clear, direct, authoritative, and so he went. 
And the doctor said, um, this is not good news. He gave him a blood test and admitted him immediately, said your body is full of cancer. Now, here's what I want us to hear from this. Had he not listened that last time when he was given a clear, direct word, the doctors said he would have just dropped dead or fell asleep and not woken up. And so the gift of his, his listening to Grandma that last time was that the entire family had the opportunity to say goodbye to him. And as hard as goodbyes are, it was so sweet. And I, I can tell you the experience of just being able to say, Grandpa, I love you and I'm going to miss you and goodbye was so good. So the fruit of listening, the fruit of not evading what's being presented was that opportunity to say goodbye. The fruit On the other hand, of not listening, had he evaded one more time, had he one more time said, I'm not going to go, I don't want to go to the doctors, I don't want to see this, whatever it is, whatever his reasons were, if he'd have said one more time, I'm not going, the entire family, including him, would have lost that opportunity. We're going to talk about evasion this morning, about a willingness to see things that are presented to us. The Lord is going to talk to us first about these Pharisees, these religious leaders, in the ways that they're evading truth that's being held up in front of them, and then the Lord's going to turn the camera around on us, and we're going to look at what are the ways that we might evade. So the story begins at at Luke 21 with these, these leaders coming up to Jesus in the temple and saying to him, tell us by what authority you're doing these things. And we need to hear first and foremost, that's not a bad question. It's quite a good question in and of itself. I cannot go down to Myers and walk into the produce section and just walk up to the apples and say, hey, folks, these uh, gala apples that are normally four bucks uh, for a three pound bag, they're on for 25 cents, 25 cents for a bag of apples. Like I might have the ability to do that, but I do not have the authority to do that. And um, you students who are going back to college or just recently graduated, you got student fairs every year at the beginning of the school year. Nobody has the authority to come from the outside as like, say, for example, the Grand Rapids Beekeepers Club. Imagine the beekeeping club decided to go in and we want to share the joys of beekeeping with all the students. Well, great. You have authority to be here? Do you have permission? You, you can't just come into my house and start parenting my kids. You might have the ability, but you don't have the authority. Our whole life is structured around what we have authority or permission to do or not to do. And that's a good thing. That reflects God's created order and it prevents chaos. And so this question from these leaders is not a bad question. The problem is he's already answered it before they asked it. He's already revealed his authority. Two weeks ago, we watched Jesus and we watched him for two years now, but we watched him enter Jerusalem and very clearly, purposely reveal himself as the one that the entire Old Testament pointed to. And the crowd shouted out, Blessed is the one who comes, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, Hey, tell him to zip it. And he said, If they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. In other words, I am who they say I am. I am the king 
who comes in the name of the Lord. He has clearly asserted his power, his authority, his identity, and then he acts on that identity to come into the house of God, this temple that's at the center of the people, that's at the center of God's plans for redeeming the earth, and he cleanses it. He comes like a king returning to his home, and he asserts his authority, and he drives out everything that's polluting this place. He's made it clear. He's already told him. And they ask him again, Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus does the most gracious thing in the world. At this point, he could have just ignored him. He could have enacted some form of judgment. He could have done anything except what he did. did. He provides them with one more opportunity for introspection and for repentance. He says, Tell me, was John's baptism from heaven or was it of human origin? And that question, friends, is not an attempt to be wise and trick them. The question is providing an opportunity to look back at John. What did John say? What did John say about Jesus? Listen to these words. John said, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness... Make straight the way for the Lord. John said, through him, all people will see God's salvation. John said, and this is a paraphrase of Luke 3, 7 and 8. Instead of trying to lean on your spiritual ancestors as though that will make you right with God, repent. Get your own heart right. John said, I baptize you with water, but one who's more powerful than I will come the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, and to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And then he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was so that he might be revealed to Israel. The one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one, the Son of God. Let me, let me summarize what John says. John says this, Jesus Christ existed before me. He is so much more powerful than me that I don't even feel worthy to perform the role of a servant and touch his sandals. He's that holy. My whole ministry is preparing people for Jesus, pointing to Jesus so that he can be revealed as God's chosen one, his son, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, the one through whom all people will see salvation. Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire, and he will enact judgment, gathering to himself those who respond with faith, and yet bringing unquenchable fire upon those who reject him. Instead of trying to lean on the faith of those who went before you, as though that would make you right with God, repent, letting God change your hearts and lives as you follow Jesus. 
he is Lord. You think that John was clear? Do you think John could have been any clearer? This is why C.S. Lewis says, when you investigate the claims of Jesus, you may do one of three things. You may call him a liar. You may call him a lunatic. Or you may call him Lord. He's either lying crazy or he is exactly who he says he is because the testimony is clear jesus comes saying i'm god in the flesh i am lord and he comes calling for faith but also allegiance and the 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 tragedy friends of this text is what happens next they don't even investigate They don't even get to the point of saying, is he telling the truth? They don't look at what he said. They don't look back to what John said. They evade it. You listen to them and Luke says, they discussed among themselves, hey, what do we do? If we say it was from heaven, he'll say, why didn't you listen to me? If we say it was from John, the people will stone us. There's no investigation. It's just evading. It's Fear of people, fear of what people will say. What you see here is what Jesus uh, illustrates when he says earlier in the gospel, look, if you want to come after me, you've got to take up a cross and follow me. Anyone who wants to come after me must lay down their lives, release control of their lives. Anyone who does not give up their lives for me and my sake will lose their lives. But he who loses their life for me and my sake, will actually gain life. What Jesus is really saying is, if you want the life that I offer, you've got to let go of control. And there, these guys' sense of control over their own lives is threatened, so much so, that they don't even want to investigate. They just just evade. And they pretend. They pretend we don't know. They don't care. They're just trying to get rid of Jesus. He's a problem to them. They don't want to see the truth. And, and what Jesus does next is really sobering. Because he says, in essence, if you're going to evade me, I'm evading you. In other words, I'm done talking with you. There comes a point where if we're presented with the truth enough and we don't respond to that truth, God doesn't keep speaking it. It becomes silent until we respond to what we've already heard. And so this is that point where we need to turn the camera around and say, God, what are the ways that we might be evading Jesus? And you say, Pastor, how can you say that? We're in church. We're not evading Jesus. We're here to worship him. Well, yes, and maybe there are some things that he has been speaking, some claims that he's been making upon us that we haven't been responding to. Maybe there's some truth spoken in his word that we've been conveniently ignoring. It's kind of like this. 
I used to work at McDonald's. I, I think I've told you I spent five years there. And from time to time, a new general manager would come in. And as that new general manager would be welcomed into the store, um, that, that person would want to come inspect the store. And uh, no employee would ever say to that general manager, hey, you know what, you can um, be out here in the lobby and you can kind of be in this, we call the front cashier section, the window area and the drive-thru, but you don't come into the kitchen. Stay out of the kitchen, okay? I mean, that, that's... If anybody attempted to say that, the general manager would say, um, it's my store. I purchased it. I, it's all mine. I can go there. Jesus purchased us. And yet, aren't there places within us, rooms of the heart, we might say, that kind of have a keep out sign? And maybe it's not that we're being as um, obnoxious as these Pharisees and these teachers of the law. Maybe we're just evading, just ignoring, just not paying attention to these claims that Jesus has on us and on our lives. John said, I think back to John's words, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, friends, when we baptize someone here, most of the time we take them down into that tank back there. It's buried in the stage. If you're a visitor, that white section is a tank. We lift the lid. We take people down. We, we take them down into the death of Christ and they rise up into new life. And, and there's something really powerful and symbolic about coming down and being immersed in the water. Baptism signifies that for us. Jesus says he'll immerse, he'll baptize you, he'll immerse you in the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is the one who immerses you in the Spirit of God. God who is pure. God who holds no bitterness, no lust, no jealousy, no anger, unresolved. God is pure. And is God in all His purity welcomed to fill us so that we are light as he is light, to fill every nook and cranny and crevice of our being, so that there is no relationship in our life that isn't full of light. Paul says, as far as it's up to you, be at peace with everyone. Everyone. Be pure, be holy, as I am holy. And so, is Jesus Christ welcomed to fill, to cleanse, to wash over all my thoughts, all my relationships. Is Jesus welcomed as Lord over my finances? Or am I made uncomfortable about his calls for radical generosity? Is Jesus welcomed as Lord over my sexuality? Or do I hold out that area as something that I say don't touch? Is Jesus welcomed as Lord or my whole being? Or are there ways in which I say and sing, I surrender all 
but don't. Let me suggest one way that some of us might be evading Jesus. His word. His word. What is our relationship to the word of God? Is it one of love? One of hunger? One of, I really can't wait for this time each day that I get to be in your word? Or is it one of duty and one of obligation? Is it the case that we don't have very much of a relationship with the word of God? How can we say to a lover, I love you, but I don't want to hear what you say to me? One of my greatest, my greatest heart cries as a pastor over the last seven years has been, God, please fill us as a church. Fill us with a love for your word. And it has been, I'm not speaking out of emotion to manipulate it. This is just emotional for me. It's painful to see people come in week after week with hunger for the Lord and yet not grow in relationship with his word. It doesn't make sense to me. He is ours and we are his. And this is the way of his spirit, the way that he speaks to us. It's through that word. He says, he commands, remain in me and my words in you. You're my bride. You're my church. You're my holy ones. Remain in me, says in John 15, and I'll remain in you and you'll be fruitful. You'll bear much fruit. And the picture is a vine and a branch grafted into that vine and the sap flowing through it. And how many of us don't have very much sap, very much of the life of Jesus because we're living life mostly independently. Not that we're not Christians. We just live without an awareness of his presence and his words and his guidance. Evading the thing that would give us life. Evading. What are the ways that God has been speaking to us over the last six months? They're different for each one, but the ways in which he's been highlighting or percolating up things in our lives that he wants to deal with. And have we been responding? Or are we too evading? It's a serious, serious thing to not listen when Jesus graciously points us back to that same thing that he's been talking about, that same truth. And so I believe that he's saying to us this morning, to each one in different ways, the same thing he says to these Pharisees and these religious leaders as he points them back to testimony that says, I am God. I'm God. I love you. 
and you, um, when you call me Lord and God and you trust, you make a profession of faith in my ability to save you, you take me not just as Savior, merciful and gracious and loving, but you take me as Lord. I come in no other way. And do you welcome me fully as Lord of your life? And am I welcome to express my Lordship in and through and over your life like that manager is welcome to express it in McDonald's? And I come, he says in his word, my commands are not burdensome. They're not burdensome, they're joyful. But you've got to trust me and seek me and listen to me. And so we'll end with this really short story of um, the promise and example of fruitfulness that comes when we do stop evading. I'm going to read you a tiny story by Mary Gage, where Mary found herself evading. Uh, she was a missionary in India, and she found herself evading a colleague that she didn't like. And... Um, She said, my inclination was to just keep shrinking away and staying away from those who disliked me or disagreed disagreed with me. But when I learned to take everything to God in prayer, then my part was to obey what he guided me to do. And so I asked him, and he said, if anyone has anything against you, go first be reconciled. And I asked, how do I begin with yourself? Am I all to blame? Face your 5%. Forgive if you have anything against her. And so went my communion with the still small voice within throughout the night. When dawn came, I was ready to go humbly to my colleague and ask her to forgive me for the sin in me that separated us. She did not answer. Then I said, will you pray for me? She replied, no. The next morning there was one steady thought through my mind. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. That evening she came to me and said, I'm the one who needs to be forgiven. I could answer with a grateful smile, you are forgiven. From that day, we started to work together with great joy for others. We no longer even noticed each other's faults. Christ's spirit lifted us above the instinctive to the redemptive level. This Christian friendship has grown through the years, a friendship that made us love God and care for others and forget about ourselves in service for them for Christ's sake. I'm going to invite us to end with a couple of minutes of silence where I pray and ask Christ to highlight for us those areas where we may have been evading. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you come to lift up. You come to set free. You come to give life. And we acknowledge before you that that means that we need to hold open um, all that's in our life. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts before you now. You've already been speaking to them clearly. 
but we pray um, that you would draw out and that you would help us actively to repent before you, to acknowledge that which we've been evading. Your claim on us extends over our entirety of of our body, soul, and spirit. And so we pray, um, come Holy Spirit and take your rightful place in our lives as we wait on you.